0: today's lesson will be about today's lesson is going to be about emotions now we all start with a primary set and as we grow older we acquire more of them when your emotions control your action it affects not only yourself but the people around you this will help to doubt emotions are centered in the lower part of the brain it is complicated yes but mysterious no longer Emotional behavior is largely involuntary. I can't believe that. We have certain basic emotions which are controlled subconsciously. Notice your own emotional reactions. What did you feel? What did you do? Under control, your emotions can make you healthier and happier and improve the lives of people around you. This is pretty clever. Good morning, church. I am kicking off a series uh, today called Mindset. Thank you, Leander, for being excited. And you haven't even heard installment one. I'm looking forward to the series. He got me excited. Um, we are full of anticipation about this series and all that God is, is going to do. Um, but first, everybody say, but first. First. I have to share with you something that's happening in the next couple of weeks. I'm super excited about it. Um, It is called the Team or the Exchange Church Meet and Greet, the Exchange Church Meet and Greet. So if it's, you know, something that you would be interested in going to because maybe you've not uh, been familiar with the church or you just started attending in the last couple of months or uh, maybe you've been gone all year and you just forgot who we all were. Uh, you're welcome to come back and, and talk with us. Um, in fact, Carrie and I will be there and some of our team, we're going to have lunch or a meal or food of some sort. It will be good. And live music, probably my favorite part, will be the live music. Um, and we're just going to share our heart, tell you the history of the church and who we are and um, the DNA. I mean, if, if you don't know, if you've not had the chance to really meet a lot of people at church you are among some incredible people. Uh, this church family is, everyone's just dead quiet right now. Um, really, I, I take my word for it if you don't know, but um, I don't have many witnesses in the room, but there are a lot of fantastic people at the Exchange Church. Can I get an amen? Okay, there we are. There we are. Everyone was wondering, is he referring to me or someone else? (laughs) Yes, you. Every one of you. Just so amazing. So on this graphic that we have for the meet and greet, there is a QR code. Now, the world has become familiar with QR codes since the pandemic because all restaurants now just about to get their menu. What do you have to do? Scan a QR code. So if you would like to sign up, in fact, let's just practice. Take out your cellular device, your cell phone, Um, Go to your camera and then you will point the camera to that QR code. No, that is not the mark of the beast. I promise you, for those of you who are like, I'm not pointing my camera to anything. It's just technology and you point your camera to that. If you need to enlarge, go ahead and enlarge. And then you can even tap on the QR code to reset the light settings so your camera will recognize that little bad boy. And when that happens, there will be a pop-up on the top of your screen and that is a direct link that will take you to sign up for the Exchange Church Meet and Greet. So many people are playing around with their phones and excited about this new technology. I can tell you've not been out to eat much this past year. But we would love to see you at the Exchange Church meet and greet. Um, so please sign up today. I, I Don't actually, oh, it's on the 25th, on the 25th. So we're going to have lunch and live music on the 25th. Um, Chad, you cannot dress up and act like a new guest just to be here for the food and the music. All right. But you can be, the, you can come. My wife said, oh, you can still come, Chad. <laughs> It was a joke. It was a cheap joke, and I didn't even get a laugh in the room. I just got an awe from my wife. (laughs) So today we're talking about uh, mindsets, and I think that this is really important that we understand and we get some things right. Today will be a fundamental discussion on taking thoughts captive on what proper godly kingdom mindsets are, Um, In future installments of the series, I hope to challenge some of the frameworks that we've embraced so easily because of culture or history or family bloodlines. It's always been this way. I I hope to really help us understand what the Word of God says about so many things that culture is just now getting on board and talking about, right? Stress, anxiety, anxiety. Depression, there are so many things that we are now becoming aware as a civilization that God was aware from day one. His word addresses so many things on this issue. And I I would like to help walk us into a season, hopefully a very long term season, where faith becomes the priority over our feelings. I'll say that again where faith is over our feelings. This morning, when I woke up, I set my alarm for 5 a.m. And I had the luxury of hitting snooze at 5 a.m. Hey, baby, she loves my sermon. She is saying amen all day. She's like, Yeah, I wake up at 5 too, and I wake up the whole house. I set my alarm for 5 a.m. this morning. And I had the luxury of turning it off and hitting snooze. And my snooze is probably like yours. Um, Nine minutes later, eight, nine minutes later, it comes back on. Well, my wife was asleep next to me and my wife has had a difficult week, difficult week, even finding sleep. So I knew I couldn't allow that to happen. So I turned off my alarm because I love her. And I reset it for 6 a.m. 6 a.m. comes around and it it, no, I'm sorry, it started at four, then at five, and then I set it to six. Um, six comes around, and then I say, forget it. I'm, you know, I already know I have the luxury of just going with my feelings on this one. I'm going to set my alarm for 7.30. So I set my alarm for 7.30, and then, and then I really had to get up. That's when what I wanted to do no longer mattered. This is what I had to do. Are you following me? Now, Monday through Saturday, I have a job An additional job outside of the church, I teach English to Chinese students on the other side of the world. So Monday through Saturday, I wake up. My classes typically start at 4 a.m. So a 3:45 a.m. wake up is is not unusual for me. Um, and when that 3:45 alarm goes off, I have to get up. I have to get up, right? I've got I've got Susie waiting for me or Johnny waiting for me on the computer. I don't have a choice. I have to be up and in front of my computer at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., whatever time I've scheduled the classes for. But on Sunday morning, I have a little bit more liberty. Now, in this context, it works really, really good, right? In this context, I get to enjoy the fruit of my feelings. But I couldn't do that Monday through Saturday whenever life has to have me up at 3.45 a.m., okay? Okay. My point I suppose is that feelings make a wonderful servant but a terrible master. Yeah. If every single morning I went with my feelings and I was I would probably find myself in trouble at some point. And and stress and anxiety and our thoughts and our mind it is so interconnected with feelings. I bet if you're like me, there are moments where you don't actually know, is this a thought I'm having or a feeling that I'm feeling? Have you ever thought that? Some of you are like, oh, pastor, I don't even worry. I don't even go that deep. I don't investigate that much. I just know what I feel. Like like if I think it, I say it. If I feel it, I feel it. But sometimes we get confused because the thoughts that we're having, we assume are our feelings or we assume that our feelings are our, our thoughts because they are so tightly interconnected. It's really important for us to understand what I'm saying this morning because there is great warfare in our mind. Jesus died on the hill called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Jesus laid down his life in the place of the skull. And the enemy is constantly trying to get into your skull because he understands the power of the mind. Now, this is not any pop psychology today, Um, the truth is Satan attacks our mind because he understands a very spiritual principle. Whoever controls the mind controls us. Whatever controls your thoughts controls you. If we're not free in our minds, we're just not free. I, I I don't care how much money you have how secure you are in food being in your pantry. I don't, I don't care how much fame you have, notoriety you have, how much people listen to what you say, how much authority you carry at work. If we're not free in our mind, we are not free. Yeah, right. And Jesus came to set the captive free. So my goal in this series is for you and I to get free in our mind. How many of you are ready for some freedom? of you. You know the thing with mental freedom I found is on days that are good, I think I'm going to always be good, and I don't anticipate that next battle. On days that are bad, I don't think that I'm ever going to be good again, and my life is over. Can anyone identify with that feeling? when it's it's bad it's bad you see we love to work in the moment with our mind understanding though we need to understand that god isn't limited to time he's not limited to your current mental status he's not limited to your current mental capacity He's already in tomorrow. He's already in next week. He's already in the next mountaintop that you're going to experience. Maybe if we just get a little closer to him, we can see what he already sees. Philippians chapter four is our text today. Am I distracting you with my mic? It's too much. My wife says enough. Okay, Hello? Check. Can you hear me? Before I go to our text, let me just give you some facts. Anyone in the room like facts? Facts? Okay. Here are some facts. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, one in five United States adults suffer from mental illness every year. One in five. 50% of all lifetime mental illnesses Began by the age of 14. Somebody say, wow. By the age of 14, this is why youth ministry is so important. This is why children's ministry is so important. Our, our under 14-year-old little humans have real issues, and they need a real God. This is why it's so important. 75% of all lifetime mental illnesses, 75%, of all lifetime mental illnesses, began by the age of 24. These stats include clinical depression, anxiety disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, among, among others. When situations arise that cause us to feel stressed, this is part of our physical response, just so that we all understand. Our nervous system produces hormones that prepare our body to defend itself from a potential external threat. Anybody ever heard of uh, fight, flight, or freeze? How many fights do we have in the room? How many fighters are in the room? You're a fighter. All the eights are raising their hand. Yep. All the <laughs> Literally, all the eights are like, oh, yeah, and I win. <laughs> yep, you're the fighters. Great. How many of you are the freezers? Any freezers? You can unfreeze to raise your hand. Okay. Good. How many are the flighters? You're like, get me out of this. I don't want it. Okay good, good. Well, we have, some, we have a good mixture of each. I'm a good mixture of each, all within the same minute. I, when, when I first feel the stress, I'm like, yeah, we got this. And then I'm like, oh no. And then I'm like, let someone else do this. It, it manifests primarily uh, when we have garage sales My wife says she wants to have a garage sale. I'm all in. I I go and I buy the cute little stickers with the different prices. And I'm like, and we can sell this and we can sell that and we can sell this. And I've got the tables and I've put out the signs. And then the morning of, when it's really on, I'm like, boys, mom needs you. And I freeze, you know, I, I go through all of these Cycles, that is a natural physical response. There is a chemical in our body called cortisol, cortisol. And when you experience stress, cortisol is released in your body. It's not good for us to have cortisol at high elevated levels for too long. It physically begins to damage our body. Now, there is short-term stress, such as a deadline or a near miss on the highway, You ever been driving for so long and like you're nodding off and you're you're about to fall asleep. You almost fall asleep. And then you're like, oh, I almost fell asleep. And then you're wide awake because you had that near miss. Are you anyone? Okay, that's happened to me one time. And driving on the highway, a car gets over into the yellow lane and you swerve and you avoid it. It's coming towards you, and you have this instant rush. Suddenly, you're like this vigilante driver where you're hyper-aware of everything that is around you. That is the result of short-term stress that works in our favor. However, there is another type of long-term stress that we see, and that's, that would be in the case of prolonged illness, unresolved conflict, or any kind of ongoing trauma. That we experience. Um, This is known to cause negative physical and emotional symptoms. Now, unlike stress, anxiety is internally caused and is defined by persistent, excessive worries that don't go away even in the absence of stressors. So, some of us find ourselves in stressful or anxious situations so often that when we remove ourselves from those situations, we still feel the remnant of the emotion from that situation. Does this make sense to you? You have become a friend to anxiety almost. You allow the cortisol to continue to flow. You're almost uh, creating self-fulfilling prophecies that something is going to go wrong tomorrow because you're so used to things going wrong Today. Now, this is what happens in the the physical sense. I have to stop here and say that this house, the Exchange Church, is very pro Christian counseling. We're not a church who, when we hear a need, someone comes to us and has a problem, we don't just say, We'll pray about it. We do believe that prayer is not just our first and last solution, it's the best solution. We do believe that, uh, but we also believe that God has really empowered humanity to bring healing to itself. Just as when you scrape, you know, scrape your elbow or you have surgery, your body repairs itself. The body, made up of many members and many people, is uniquely equipped to repair itself. You know, when we confess our sins one to another, when we have hard conversations with one to another, the Bible says that we find healing in that. When we confess to God our sins, we find salvation. But when I confess to a a brother or to a sister, when we share our wounds and our pains, that's where healing happens. The body of Christ was designed to heal each other. So we believe in Christian counseling. If you've been here for any length of time um, you probably have heard that Carrie and I, in the first few years of our marriage, was very difficult. Uh, on the verge of divorce, we went to an attorney. I went to an attorney to get a divorce, which was funny because I was the problem. Uh, clearly, I was in the flight you know, response. I just didn't want to deal with my own issues, and I wanted to run away uh, from the marriage. But um, the, the attorney looked at me, pushed the papers across the table, after I said I didn't want the car, I didn't, you know, she could have the kids as much as she wanted. I loved my kids, but, you know, I didn't want to cause her any pain, and she can have everything, and I'll, I'll pay everything. He pushed the papers back across the table, and he said, you're still in love with this girl. You need to go to counseling. So my divorce attorney saved my marriage. <laughs> and we went to counseling for a number of years and got the tools that we needed for our marriage to be successful and to thrive. And it all boiled down to communication. A simple fix now looking back at 26 years of marriage, but man, in the moment, the mountain was just so huge that we couldn't overcome it. But we believe in natural solutions too, like counseling, we, we don't believe that you should just go in your prayer closet and, and pray day after day after day for breakthrough, knowing that you have a mental illness or something going on. It could be a physical reaction that you're having that medication could solve. Are you with me? I'm, I'm not a let's medicate everyone. I'm, I'm simply saying that there are things like hormonal imbalances. There are things physiologically going on that may need to be repaired whenever we're having mental issues. It's not just a thought process that you're having. It could be something physical. I'm saying, and this has been my slogan from day one of the exchange, it's always, the answer is always A and B. It's God and the things God has placed at our disposal to bring healing to our bodies. So let's get to our text today. Philippians 4, verse 4 through 13 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God and the peace of God. Anybody need God's peace today? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. How many of you are excited to get to that point in life? Whatever state you're in to be content, right? I'm there on many days, on some days I wish I were there, to be content in whatever state. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love that verse, and I throw it around a lot, especially when I'm, you know, um, I know that I'm about to face something that's difficult or challenging. Can I get some monitor on this, please? When I'm about to face something that's difficult, I, I will look myself in the mirror and I'll say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anyone do that? Anyone tell that to your kids? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The problem I found in my life, at least, is that I use that to gear me up to climb the mountain that I want to take. Right? Oh, I've got a hard test. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I've got a hard conversation. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I've, I've got a, you know pay all of these bills and make it work. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I, when I quote that verse, I picture myself climbing the top of the mountain, standing there as the victor, right? Not the victim. Are you with me? Right? That motivation. But the reality is I can be in a valley through Christ who strengthens me. I can walk through pain and loss through Christ who strengthens me. I can suffer for the cause of Christ because of Christ who strengthens me. You see, we can do all things through him, not just the great things, not the grandiose things, not I won first place things. I'm a hot mess. My nose is dripping everywhere. My eyes are swollen things, right? My husband left me, my wife left me, but I can still do all things things. I lost my child. I lost my parent. I lost my sibling. I'm in divorce court. I'm walking through XYZ, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand. That, That brings me to my first point today. If we want to win the battlefield of the mind, we have to become super aware of how we process thoughts and emotions. So point number one, become aware how you process. Are we focusing on the problem and our inability to solve it ourselves? Or are we focusing on the God who continually, continuously promises to remain at our side and be our strength during moments of weakness? My wife has a verse on our bathroom mirror. I have a whole collage of verses and sayings and when I'm brushing my teeth, it's like so so many things. Um, this whole like 25-point thing on how to treat your wife, she won't let me remove it. Um, but it's, you know, a whole bunch of good good things that I just go through daily and sayings. And my wife has just two or three. And this is one of her two or three bathroom sayings. Second Corinthians 12.9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How do you process pain? Do you look at the event or do you look at the creator? This is very important and Paul understands this lesson very well. You see, in this letter to the Philippian church, Uh, It was written during a time of intense personal stress for Apostle Paul. He had long been in conflict with his former colleagues uh, in the Jewish leadership. There had been multiple attempts on his life. People had tried to take out the Apostle Paul. And he was currently living under house arrest while waiting to present his case to Caesar in Rome. Talk about stress. People are trying to kill you, you're on house arrest, like your life hangs in the balance. And during that time, some people were actually preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, not because they believed in Jesus the Messiah. They were preaching the gospel around town just so that when Paul went to see Caesar, he would be in more trouble because the gospel would have made more waves in town. That's evil. Did you hear what I said? They're preaching the gospel, not believing in the gospel, (laughs) They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but they were preaching it just to cause more trouble for Paul. And you know what Paul's response was? He said, I don't care the motivation. So long as the gospel of Jesus is preached, I'm well. He wasn't looking at the circumstance. In short, Paul recognizes that what he focuses on, the problem or the promise, directly affects his mental and emotional state and health. It's important for us to know, This morning, that the Bible doesn't shy away from issues that are touching our lives today. It's filled with numerous accounts. I've written down a few of men and women who struggled to hear from God because because of these very things we're talking about stress, anxiety, depression, loneliness, isolation. Uh, For example, in 1 Kings 19, Elijah asked God to let him die after his victory over the prophets. Elijah, Elijah, the man, Elijah, who can compare to Elijah today? No one. Elijah said, God, just kill me now. The words of David, the words of lament and desperation and of the other psalmists fill many of the pages of psalms. And these are psalms that we turn to for comfort because we know that someone's been there and they understand Another example, Paul confessed that he and his companions were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. However, Paul goes on to say, But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope, and he will deliver us. Again, so Paul understands he's reached a point where he feels like giving up. I'm sure in a room this size with this many people, I mean, at least a good 75, 80% of the people just in this room in the last 12 months have wondered how they're going to go on. Your job has been in jeopardy. Your relationships have been in jeopardy. You've lost someone close to you. You're dying from isolation and lack of contact. And we've asked the same question that these people are asking. And you know, when Elijah despaired of life and he wanted to give up, you know what God did? God didn't shame him. God didn't say, well, that's silly. You shouldn't be thinking that. God didn't correct him. Instead, in the middle of his grief, God fed him. God told him to take a nap and get some rest. Tomorrow's another day. How do you handle stress? Do you look at the problem or do you look at the promise? Point number two, if we're going to handle stress, we need to recognize that we aren't meant to face problems alone. You weren't meant to be an island. And this is one of the biggest problems and struggles i have with a pandemic where everyone needs to be inside their homes and hide themselves from the population and watch church from online and i'm i'm so grateful you're watching online but here's the real issue we were made for community we were made to hug each other and and say Add a boy to one another we were made to not just connect through a keyboard but Connect by seeing the twinkle in someone's eye or the hesitation of breath when you ask someone how they're doing. No, how are you really doing? I can see something's on you right now. What's really going on? We were made for that kind of interaction. And so while I'm grateful that the church continues even through online, there's something not yet complete. Because we were made to do life together, recognize that we aren't meant to face problems alone. This is one reason why I'm pushing for the meet and greet. Because we're tempted to show up late to church with our mask on, sit on our own row. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not asking everyone to, to crack open a bottle of water and share it. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. But it's easy for us to come late and leave early because we've now been conditioned that physical touch is bad. We've now been conditioned to believe that close contact is a danger to my health. Can I just tell you that isolation is equally dangerous? And the stats are rolling in, like physically dangerous. People are taking their lives because of it. People are are doing all kinds of physical self-harm because of it, the world is crying out for community and for connection. And I'm not at all suggesting that how you're trying to handle it by watching online or keeping distance is, is wrong. I'm saying that we got we to gotta be aware that there's a need not being met. How can we meet this need? And one of the, these ways, I think, is to create a meet and greet so that when a guest walks into our church, they, they don't feel this need to walk out without having family. They need family to be established. Point number three be honest with God and ourselves. If you want to overcome mindsets, bad thinking, bad frameworks, it starts with honesty. We all can get really good at lying to ourselves. Did you know, actually, that it's easier to lie to yourself than to someone else? Never thought that was possible, did you? You thought, oh, I can, I can lie to the store clerk. No, I, I only have uh, three pieces of candy, not six. You know, you, you think that it's easier to lie to someone else because they don't see the real you. It's easier to lie to yourself because you do know the real you. You know all the coping mechanisms. You know the lids that you're going to face. And so you convince yourself that what you're saying is true. We have to be honest with ourselves If we ever want to break through this mental funk that we're in, we have to get honest. We can't say silly things like, well, that's just how I am. That's My mom was that way. My grandmother was that way. That's just how. I am. We have to get honest and understand that every decision and choice we're making today is not because of mom and grandma and the ex boyfriend or the ex husband. It's because we have chosen to make that decision today. Let's just be honest and own it because we can't change what we don't own. If I want to walk in mental freedom, then I have to own every thought that I allow to take root in my mind. Be honest with God. I'm amazed at the number of times that I've tried to fool God. Somebody please say me too. Oh, God, I'm good. I love you, Lord. Wow, yes, you're so hashtag blessed. God knows. God knows, and he wants to invite you into a a moment of authentic relationship and trust with him. He can handle your fears. He can handle your doubts. He, he can handle everything. He already knows what you're thinking. The power is in revealing to him that you trust him enough to share those thoughts. Be honest with ourselves and with God. Point number four, my last point today. We have to come into kingdom alignment I've been thinking a lot. I'm reading this book right now. My goal is to read a book a week. Um, and and the one book that I've been on for three weeks <laughs> is about church culture. It's a really good book. And I'm um, trying to, the leadership side of me is trying to wrap my brain around what has COVID done to church culture globally? How do we continue to build the local church? I believe that the local church is God's plan A for the world, not plan B. I think it's absolutely fundamentally critical for people to be connected to a local church, but I also understand that that COVID has done a number. I mean, I'm friends with so many pastors in this area and you know, they'll text me, ask how I'm doing, and I'm honest with them. I'm always brutally honest, and, and I'm thinking uh, they probably didn't know they were going to get another prayer request from somebody. And the response is always, uh, you're not alone, us too. That's what's happening to us too. That's what we feel too. And so I'm reading this book on culture, and the Lord is taking me into a season, I think, where I become less focused on designing a church culture and making sure that the church is living out kingdom culture. Because kingdom culture isn't impacted by anything in the physical realm. Are you with me? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of of God. So I'm, I'm figuring out ways to articulate what is the kingdom of God culture look like in our own context because I know that we need to come into alignment of that. I, I don't want to be a church who fizzles out because of the pandemic because I got so wrapped up in trying to find solutions in my own intelligence, right? I want to come into alignment with the kingdom. And that's true with your thinking as well. You've tried an awful lot of solutions. How's that working for you? it's time to come into kingdom alignment. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse four through five says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ There are strongholds that exalt themselves in the knowledge of God, and we have to take them captive. Every thought that is in my mind, I'm going to compare it to what God says about me. That's what we should be doing. That's what it means to to take every thought captive. You ever seen a military war show, and they take a prisoner of war? What's the first thing they do? They sit them in a chair and they say, What's your name? What's your rank? what's your job? Who are you with? You seen that? And they interrogate them and they get all of the information from the prisoner of war that they possibly can. That's what you need to do with every thought that passes through your mind. You need to take it captive, sit it down and say, what's your name? Who do you work for? What's your agenda? What's your rank? How long you been here? Show me all your buddies where they're hiding. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Did you know that you have so many thoughts that you think you came up with, that you think have plagued you your entire life because it plagued your mama or your daddy and your grandma and your granddaddy and you think that's just the way that it is but the reality is Satan has planned from day one of your birth to plant these seeds into your mind and they've been here so long you think that they're your own and It's not your own. It's sent from the enemy. You have to take your thoughts captive and express your agreement with what God says about you. What does God say? You're not a failure. You're not a flake. You're not a has-been. Your destiny is not over. Your purpose is not over. You're not someone that people then want to connect with or be around. Express your agreement with what God says about you. Confess the word of God over yourself out loud. Some of us just need to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, or tell your spouse, tell your kids, say, I am a blessing and not a burden. I, I really think that might just solve some of our issues in the room today to believe that I'm a blessing, not a burden. What does God say about you? I love Jeremiah 29:11, and I know this is really great for plaques or magnets on on the refrigerator or you know the bios of Facebook or Instagram favorite verse Jeremiah 29:11. for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper you to give you a hope in a future how many have heard that verse Jeremiah 29 11 you know what's really funny about that verse which maybe you don't don't know this is the context um the people of Israel are complaining to God. They're questioning Him. They're doubting Him. They're wondering, God, are You here? Like we've been in captivity. You sent us from, from jailhouse to jailhouse. Who are You? What are You doing? Do You even love us? Like they're they're really upset. And God's response to them in Jeremiah 29:11 says, "I know the thoughts that I have toward you." In other words. Why are you trying to tell me what I think about you? You ever had an argument with someone and they tried to tell you what you think? Isn't that annoying? Oh, it's so mad. And especially, I love when that happens to my wife. I get to hear the the gory details of it. She's like, can you believe they told me I was doing that? Because that is not what I was doing. I was like, I know, baby. Did you let them have it? Anyway. But that happens to all of us, right? They people make assumptions and they tell you what you think. That happened to God in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. The people were trying to tell him what he thought about them, and he said, "God said, Yahweh said, hold up a minute. I know the thoughts that I have toward you. I'm not out to get you. I am for you. I, I'm not looking to punish you." I'm bringing you into a land of promise. I I know the thoughts that I have for you, and they're good. You're a son and not a slave. I want to give you a hope, and I want to give you a future. Some of us need to ask God, what do you think about me? Rather than assigning and telling God what he thinks about us, some of us just need to lay our heart bare before him and say, God, just show me. Tell me who you think that I am because God's plan is good and nothing has canceled that. Your past hasn't canceled that. Your debt hasn't canceled that. Your loss of income hasn't canceled that. Your relationship issues have not canceled that. God has a plan for you and it is good. We are tempted in moments of tragedy or stagnation to wonder if God is good. There are many times in my life, I don't understand why God did what God did. Moments that if I were God, I would have done something different. We've all been there. But I don't wanna serve a God that I can understand. I I don't want to serve a God who does everything that I tell him to do. I don't want a God that fits into my box. I want a God that is beyond that. A God who loves to bless me in a way that I didn't even see it coming. Is it all right if I just pray for you this morning? Kayla, I believe. Can I just share with you something that I feel in my heart? Um, I feel that the Lord is wanting me to tell you that, um, first of all, He's very proud of you, more than than you know. He's so proud of you and your decisions. I saw a kitchen table and a big bowl of cereal that had many brands of cereal like poured in and you were eating it and you were like ah oh, this tastes really nasty like i shouldn't have put fruity pebbles with cornflakes and it was all of these ingredients um, and i felt like the lord just kind of pulled up a chair next to the table and he said Kayla those aren't ingredients to eat now. Those are ingredients that need to go in the oven. And I feel like the Lord is wanting me to encourage you to embrace awaiting. There's a waiting that's needing to happen in your world. And I don't know how, how this applies, but but you're wanting to taste and see that the Lord is good and he is good but the circumstances that you're trying to taste of right now, there's, they're still in preparation. Does that make sense to you? And he says, if you just trust him, continue to trust him, you're going to find that when that timer goes off, every ingredient is going to fit together perfectly. And it doesn't make sense right now, but you're tasting it too early. Does that resonate with you? what I just said? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Church, will you stand to your feet? Thank you, Lord. I believe that as I send you out today, the Lord is going to Refresh you this week, re-energize you this week. Some of you are going to find that you're not as tired this week. Some of you are going to find that when you go to bed at night, you actually get sleep that you need. I talked to a few people today who was it? Who, who needs sleep? You just need good sleep. A lot of you. Well, I appreciate that you managed to stay awake during my sermon today, but I believe that tonight the Lord is going to give you the sleep and the rest that you need. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that today was just a day of refreshing. It was just a day of sitting our feet in the cool water and letting it flow over us. God, you are so good and you are for us. You're fighting for us. Battles that, God, we don't need to fight. We can just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God, I thank you that people in the room and watching online that there is just something coming to their home. The atmospheres are going to shift in the name of Jesus. The dark clouds are going to roll away in the name of Jesus. Our homes are going to be filled with life in the name of Jesus. God, I just thank you that you are a good God who's bringing something unique and new to your children this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say, amen, amen, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning? Listen. Church, sorry, service is over, but church is not. When you leave these doors, I want you to go and be the church. We love you guys so much. We'll see you Sunday at 1030 in person or online. And we hope to see you even before then this Wednesday for prayer, 630 to 730 or Awaken Youth at 730 p.m. We love you guys. God bless you.